Corinthians chapter 5, and, and I knew we'd have a few extra things this morning, so my message is actually a little shorter, about 25, 30 minutes, I think. So, uh, did I say I think? Okay, that makes you really nervous, I know. Have you ever been called or heard of a religious fanatic? Or maybe been called a religious nut. I I know I have. I have been called those things before. And as we introduce the passage of Scripture here, we're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest Christian in the New Testament, was called the same thing. Look, if you would please, at verse number 13, just to introduce the text. Paul says, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. You see, some were saying here in this passage of Scripture, or in this time, some were saying that that Paul was crazy for what he believed, that Paul was a nutcase, that Paul had just gone too far with this gospel thing. He was, and Scripture puts it, he was beside himself. You've heard of the uh, man that went to the uh, psychiatric office, and he walked in, and he told the nurse, he said, look, he said, uh, I'm invisible. And she really didn't know how to respond, so she goes into the doctor's office and she said, Doc, we got a problem. There is a man outside who says he's invisible. And the doc said, well, go tell him we can't see him. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that kind of crazy, okay? That's, that's really crazy, all right? Not that kind of crazy. But the kind of crazy that says, hey, I am geared up to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm excited. I'm fired up. As Brother Butch challenged us, and I love Brother Butch's little two-minute speech every week. Don't you love that? Uh, To me, that's as spirit-filled as the the message I preach. I don't believe Butch is just saying words to fill in. I think he's he's really thought and prayed and asked the Lord to lead him. And, And he challenged us to go tell someone. Well, I can assure you, if you tell someone this week, if you share the Lord Jesus Christ with someone this week, someone probably is going to think that you're crazy, that that you're just a little bit overboard. You're you're going to do what? You believe what? You you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are are three in one? You believe that? There are many that would say we're just crazy. You know, witnessing can sometimes really be a crazy thing. I'm reminded of a story that I don't know how long it's been, but I preached in Raleigh, North Carolina last week, and for some reason, God laid this old reminder on my heart, and I thought, man, this was crazy. I was in uh, an airport flying alone, and uh, I usually fly Delta, but this particular time I flew Southwest Airlines, which was unusual for me. I don't really like Southwest Airlines. I like to know my seat assignment. I like to be able to choose my seat assignment. But Southwest, uh, if it's the same way it was back then, you just get this number, and you walk on, and you sit anywhere, you know. And since I didn't fly Southwest, I was like the last group to go on. So when I actually got on this plane... I was the last person to to get on the plane, which means that there was only one seat left on the whole plane. And the one seat was the front seat, row one, and the middle seat. I hate the middle seat like everybody else does, right? It's the dreaded seat, all right? So there it is, first row seat. So when I go to sit down, I notice there's a little boy sitting in seat 1C, A-B-C. So he's in seat, uh, seat, seat 1C. And I sit down and you know, just try to be my friendly self. And so, I, hey, hey, buddy, wait, you fine alone? And he looked at me just, I mean, without any stutter at all. He just said, ah, no, my dad's the pilot. I said, you're kidding. That is so cool. So your dad is the pilot? He said, yeah, what's so special about that? I said, well, like, 
What's so special about that? I said, listen, your dad will determine whether or not I live or die in the next three hours. Your dad's like right now the coolest guy on the planet. And he said, uh, oh, I never thought about that. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. And I said, well, can I meet him? And he said, well, sure. So this eight-year-old kid walks up to the door, knocks. He says, hey, Dad, some guy here wants to talk to you. And so the pilot looks around. I said, hey, sir. I said, I'm sitting next to your son, Robert, here. And nice kid, really nice kid. I just thought I'd meet you a little bit here. And he said, oh, great. He said, yeah, my son flies with me a lot. He, he always talks in comments about how boring the flights are. And, you know, Daddy, can I sit up there with you? The, the, these people are mean. They don't talk to me. You know, he said, listen, if you'll talk to my son and hang out with him a little bit, you seem like a nice guy. And he said, I, hey, I'll give you something a little special when you, when you get off the plane. And in case I forget to tell you what it was, because every time I tell the story, what did he give you? You know, it was just like a little voucher thing, okay? It wasn't like, you know, free flights for the rest of my life. All right. It's a little voucher, you know, to get some food. So uh, anyway, I, I sat, th- I told him I would do that. So I sat back down in my seat and began to talk with him. And they were finishing up the little things they do before the flight takes off. And a lady steps out of the restroom. The lady, I had not met this person sitting in, in 1A. So she steps out and she was a Korean lady. And uh, she had, you know, a paper and some things. And she, she stood there when Robert and I were talking because she was against the window, right? So you kind of have to move a little bit and get your feet tucked in. So, and so she looked and she said, uh, She said, I don't know what that means, but it was something Korean. And so I don't know how you are. My family cracks up at me on this. Dad, you're so weird. Every time somebody talks in a different language, you, 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 you sound like them. So, and I do, I, I went, you sit here? Is this your seat? And she said, you know, and I said, okay, we, we let you sit down. So we, I know that's stupid, but it just, I can't help it. Even when, even when I try not to do it, I do it. So she comes in, she sits down in that seat and I'm like, okay, you know, she's, she's not going to be much to talk to. She doesn't even speak English. So I continue to talk to Robert. We have a great conversation, Robert and I do. A tremendous guy. Great kid. Sharp kid. We're talking away, having a wonderful time. I love kids. I'm telling stories, Bible stories, junior church stories that I grew up with. And uh, so finally, time went by so fast. This flight was to California. Three-hour flight. But time went by so fast that our flight was almost over. The, her, his dad came on the speaker and said, listen, we're, you know, we're about 25 minutes out of L.A. and we're going to be landing soon. So, uh, you know, the stewardesses will be collecting your items and this, that, and the other. And he goes through his speech, right? And so uh, I, I look at Robert and I say, man, we're about to land, Robert. I said, I can't believe time went by so fast. It's been great talking with you. He said, oh, man, he said, you're so cool. This is the best flight I've ever been on. He said, can you tell me just one more story real quick? And I thought, man, I haven't told him the greatest story of all. I've told him a lot of Bible stories, but I haven't told him the Bible story, right? So I, I began to tell him. In, in, at, right at his level, which, by the way, is the level that all of us need to hear it from. The simple message of salvation. Jesus came and lived on earth through a virgin. He lived a perfect life, never sinned one time. Died the perfect sinless sacrifice for our sins. Rose again on the third day and lives and reigns forevermore and will save anyone who asks him. And so I gave him the gospel in, in a childlike way. And he was so excited he, on every word, hanging on every word. And finally, this little eight-year-old boy named Robert Tresh, he said, he said uh, well, can I, can I do that right now? Can I, can I do something right now to make sure that I go to heaven? I said, sure, Robert. I said, you can just ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. He said, well, let's do that. And this little eight-year-old boy wanted to be saved. 
And so I said, well, that'd be great. I said, Robert, would you like to pray by yourself? Or would you like for me to help you pray? He said, well, would you help me? And I said, sure. About that time, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I knew it was the Korean lady, right? And I'm thinking, man, I'm about to get, this kid's about to get saved. What do you want? I can't even understand what you're saying. She goes, me pray too. I, I, I said, what? She said, that is beautiful. Me want to pray to get saved. I said, you want to get saved? I said, I thought you didn't understand. I don't speak much English, but I understand it very well. I've been listening. Me pray too. So I said, okay. I said, uh, well, uh, I've never really done this before. But uh, by now, I mean, we've created a little bit of a ruckus around us. People are like, what is going on? So the only thing I could think of was to, to pray a double prayer was, okay, Robert, I'll just pray a little prayer, a small, and then I'll, and then, what's your name? No joke. Now, I can prove this because before I left my office today, I went, this happened in 1988, before July, like the 14th. I had these two people sign my Bible because I said, nobody's going to believe this. I said, what's your name? She said, and she signed it. Chung, Sung, Bung. I thought, praise God, there's a new name written down in glory. <laughs> Can you imagine? Chung, Sung, Bung. I mean, I said, okay, Chung, Sung, Bung. I said, uh, I'll, I'll just say a little prayer for you and we'll go back and forth. So I said, dear Jesus, and Robert and an eight-year-old little sweet, dear Jesus, so precious, you know, an eight-year-old boy. And I said, okay, uh, Chung, Sung, Bung, dear Dear Jesus. She went, Dear Jesus! No, I'm not kidding. It was loud. You know, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner! Listen, everybody on that plane could have got saved that day. She did not need a microphone. I promise you that. So Robert Tress and Chung Sung Bung got saved. Both signed my Bible. And I want to tell you something. Everybody on that plane thought I was a religious nut. But I didn't care because I had the best news in all the world. And God put me in a place, as he has so many times, to share that message. And so Paul says in verse 14, here's why I'm not as crazy as you think I am. Paul says in verse 14, if you'll see it in your text, 2 Corinthians 5, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ is why I share this message it is his love for me. It is what Jesus did for me. His love for me lifts me to another level. Like the old hymn we have sung and we love so much. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, what did he do? He heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Get this, when nothing else would help, love lifted me. Love. And Paul says, look, I'll tell you why I'm excited. I'll tell you why I may be a little crazy, but I, or I, you've heard this, I may be a nut, but I'm screwed on to the right bolt. Amen. I'll tell you why. Because the love of Christ constraineth me. And yet, did you know? And I preach this message for two reasons. One, because it's in the Bible. And secondly, because I think sometimes it's good to make sure our church knows where we stand in a day when there is some, some, what I believe to be some heretical thoughts about the fact that the Bible teaches Jesus died for all. And some would say 
Some would tell you that God does not love the entire world, but that he only loves the elect. Some will say that. Now, let me say this before I do that, to be fair, is that there are some that believe that God only loves the elect and only saves the elect. There are some that believe that, that, that they, are, they are soul winners. Pastor Ken knows that. They are. In fact, there's some that believe how we believe, and they aren't soul winners. <laughs> so I understand there could be some good people on both sides of the fence. But can I say this? This doctrine taken to an extreme can literally destroy evangelism in a church. It can kill it. It can defeat it, to kill it. It can take it away completely. The baptism waters are not, never stirred and hardly anybody ever gets saved. When this doctrine is taken to an extreme, some say, and this is what they would say, that they are the ones that are loved and that therefore they are predestined to go to heaven. Others who are not loved, not chosen, not part of the elect have no chance. They just have no chance. It doesn't matter what anyone does. It doesn't matter what anyone prays. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, that they attend church or hear the gospel preached. They are not chosen, so they will never be saved no matter what anyone does. And that's scary. And I want to say this this morning so it's clear. I reject that with all the unction, function, and emotion of my entire soul. I reject that. Now, I think that's pretty clear, but, but let me go farther. God wants everybody to be saved. Everybody. God has given a measure of faith to everyone. And God has forgiven the, the entire world. All the world needs to do is repent and accept his forgiveness. He has forgiveness for everyone. God doesn't just forgive certain people and not other people. God will forgive everyone who asks him to forgive them. And yet I believe that predestination is certainly true. It's in the Bible. I believe election is true. I believe that foreknowledge is true. But I do not believe in fatalism. I do not believe that someone can live and die and, 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 and never have a chance to go to heaven because they are not part of a certain group that only God died for. You see, to believe in predestination and election and foreknowledge is true. But it's only part of the truth. And if you take part of the truth and try to make that part of the truth the whole truth, then that part of the truth becomes an untruth, you see. And what often happens with the truth is it can be given a little untruth, and that part of the truth becomes an untruth because it was never true in the first place. And so be very careful about, about this, this particular subject we're talking about. And let me be very clear and tell you what I believe to be the reason why we need to let the whole world know. And that's the title of my simple message. I believe every person's soul on the face of the earth needs to be saved. And I'm going to give you four reasons quickly. Number one, the first reason, are you ready for it? The first reason is the unbounded love of Christ. For the love of Christ, Paul said, constraineth us. The unbounded love of Christ. Listen, I believe that I can walk up to anyone on the face of the earth and say, God loves you. Anyone. I believe I can be sitting on a plane on Southwest Airlines and the people on both sides of me can be saved. 
I don't believe it's just luck. And uh, would you happen to know if you're one of the elect or not? I, I just want to make sure before I get into this thing that I'm not wasting my time. I don't believe that. I believe I can, I can say to anyone, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And that is completely true. Hey, has anybody ever heard of John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What about that, huh? Is that awesome? Can I read you the next three verses and just, again, uh, trying to make a point here. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, when I began to study this in the last few weeks, just to be convinced in myself and to be able to be prepared to preach a message like this, I found out to my total amazement that there are a good number of people who believe the world in John three sixteen and following is speaking of just the elect. And so what I did was, just for the fun, is I, I, I took those verses and, and just exchanged the world or him for the elect. For God so loved the elect that he gave his only begotten son that the elect that believes on him should not perish, but the elect would have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the elect, but that the elect through him might be saved. The elect that believe on him is not condemned. But the elect that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Totally ridiculous. And you, you think about the problem that you have when you take the world away, the, the, all, the whole world, everyone in the world, and just replace it with just the elect, just this certain few chosen people. And if you read verse 18, you, you can't do it. You literally can't say, listen, he or the elect that believeth on him is not condemned, but the elect that believeth not on him is condemned already. How can you say that? Because they say the elect are saved, period, end of story. And yet in that verse, you'd have to believe that the elect could actually... If they don't believe, not be condemned when, are you following me? When the elect are those who they say are saved, really, whether they like it or not. They have no choice in the matter. They are the elect. And therefore, it totally messes with the meaning of this passage of Scripture. God so loved the world, the whole world. God died for all the world. God wants everyone in the world to be saved. doesn't matter what background they are. doesn't matter what race they are. doesn't matter what gender they are. doesn't matter what social background they have. Scripture does not talk about God dividing the world into those, in, in those types of ways. God loves everyone in the world. Reminds me of a story of a woman on the streets of Paris, an elegant woman dressed in white with white gloves. And I've been to Paris and... And, and boy, it's a, it's a different world up there. A lot of fancy, smoozy people, man. And can you imagine this woman as she walks down the streets of Paris and she's, uh, she, she pulls off one of her gloves. And when she does, it takes off her very expensive diamond ring by accident. And it falls on the ground and it goes in between uh, a little gutter thing and falls in uh, a lot of muck and mire and slime. And she is in this white dress with these beautiful white gloves. And there is her diamond ring. But she wants that diamond ring more than anything. 
And so she gets on her knees, this elegant woman in Paris, and she takes her little feminine, sweet, little perfect hand, and she reaches down in that muck and mire and dirt and grime and slime, and she gets her diamond ring out. By the way, church, that's the way we need to look at every sinner on planet Earth. God died for every sinner. God came down to this sin-sick, cursed world. And God left the beauty of heaven, the perfection of heaven. Uh, And God said, I I love this world so much that I'm willing to enter into this sin-cursed world and become sin so that you can be saved. And that's the way you and I need to look at every person on planet Earth. No one, no one is too bad. That they do not need to be saved. Just like no one is too good that they need not be saved. We need to be and see every soul like that woman saw that diamond. I don't care who they are. The unbounded love of Christ. Let me give you the second thing. Because of his, secondly, we are to let the whole, whole world know because of his unbounded love. Or, or, or the unbounded love of Christ, but also the unlimited atonement of Christ. You see, some would call it a limited atonement. But let's look at verse 14 a little closer here in our text. Verse 14 and verse 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for a double L. Amen. He died for all. Look at verse 19 of the same passage there. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now, what I want to do for the next few moments, about three minutes, is I want to show you verse after verse after verse. Because, church, I want everyone here to know that God died for the whole world and God wants everyone to be saved. And I want you to know it's not just my thoughts, my opinions. It's not just a Baptist thing. It's a Bible thing. I don't believe this because I'm Baptist. There's Baptists that don't believe this. I believe this because it's in the Bible. John chapter 1, verse 29, just one after the other, Ken. John 1, 29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the, say it with me, church, world. And then what about John 12, verse 46 and 47? I am come a light into the world, and whosoever, I love that word, because that's me, that's you. If you're lost this morning, and you're not saved, that's you. You are that whosoever. That whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Wow. 1 John 2, 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the satisfaction, if you will, of our sins. He is the payment. Just a big word for payment. Satisfaction of our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. That's God's desire. Uh, listen, will all men be saved? No. But does God want all men to be saved? Yes. Did God die for the whole world? Yes. Did God's death on the cross make it possible for everyone to be saved? Yes. But it is faith that must be put into action that initiates that contact between God and his grace. It is, it is faith. It is grace. It is salvation. Amen. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Hebrews 2.9. 
But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for the elect. Should taste death for every man. Every man. Isaiah 53, 6. Oh, what a chapter in Scripture. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we like sheep. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 5, 5 and 6. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And by the way, all of us, all of us were ungodly. Everybody in this room has been stained by sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things passed away, all things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, to you and I, the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And on and on we could go in Scripture. And I got one ahead there, Ken, so keep that one up. I'll probably have to go back to that one. So I'm saying here this morning that there's no clearer way to explain something you believe than to use Bible. Amen? And what I just wanted to do for, I think I took four minutes. It was, and I've got about five or six minutes left. I took four minutes and just read verse after verse. I want everyone to know what God said about who he died for. He died for not just the chosen or just the elect. He died for the whole world. And then number three, Paul says, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. What drives me is this, the unconditional invitation of Christ. The unconditional invitation of Christ. You know what that is? Here's what the unconditional invitation of Christ is. You can be saved if you want to be saved. That's cool, isn't it? I love that. I'm glad I'm part of that crowd. If I want to be saved, I can be saved. And thank God on September the 1st, 1978, I wanted to be saved. I wanted that. I heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit drew me to him. I put my faith. For every man is given a measure of faith. So God gave me some faith. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take my faith that I've been putting in my works. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. He's asking me to be saved. He's inviting me to be saved. Like he's inviting you to be saved today. Oh, but Brother Eric, do you, what if I'm not one of the chosen? No, 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 no. You're one of the whosoevers. You, do you know how you become one of the elect? <laughs> By being a whosoever. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever, you say. And God died and invites everyone to be saved. Let me give you 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Ken, we'll go to that one. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any. I heard one man who believes that only the elect can be saved. He said, he changed it to this. He said, really what that means is not willing that many. Not willing that many would perish. No, no, it says not willing that any. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference between not many and any. Not willing that any should perish. No one in this room. God says, I don't want anybody in this room to go to hell. No one in this room. If you go to hell, God says, it won't be because of me. It'll be because you rejected me. You said no to my invitation. Is that understood? That's the, that's the truth. That's how much God loves you. God loves you so much that he invites you to be saved. This is unconditional. This invitation is for today. As long as you have breath in your nostrils, God says, I will 
ask you. I will reach out to you to be saved. You have to put your faith in Jesus. Jesus loves all. Jesus died for all. And he wants all to be saved. Second, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 3-6. through six, We're almost done. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved. That's his will. God, God, God is not willing that any should perish. He, he wants all men to be saved. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. Wow. Whosoever will may come. Number four. And I'll conclude. Paul says, I'm not crazy. Because I believe the undiminished commission of Christ. Commission of Christ. Now, church, that's us. That's you and me. When Paul made this statement, look, if, if you would, please, in verse number 18. This is so critical for us to really be the kind of church God wants us to be. We've, we've got to get back to this more than we ever have. Look at verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God has given to us a mission. This is the Great Commission. This is a mission that God has put us on after we're saved and kept us on planet Earth. That's why we're here. We are here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, to wit, that God was in in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Isn't this beautiful? And uh, imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we are We, me, you, are ambassadors for Christ. You know what the definition of ambassador is? Someone who represents the person of the king in the court of another. How cool is that? What do we call Jesus? The king of kings, right? And the Lord of lords. We are his ambassadors. We represent the king of the earth, the king of the universe, in the court of earth. While we're here, our job is to be an ambassador for Christ. We represent heaven's king. We represent the king of kings. And like R.A. Torrey said, that old preacher, how can a man be a follower of Christ who is not a soul winner? How can a man claim to be a follower of Christ if he doesn't care about souls being saved? And so I close with, you can be saved if you want to be saved. But God does not force his love on anyone. Are you with me? God doesn't force you to be saved. Some speak of this irresistible grace. That if you're one of the elect, it's irresistible. Can I say this? You can say no to God. It's all through scripture. Many have said no. Many have rejected Christ. Some even today in this room may leave this place saying no to this invitation. No, preacher. But please listen to me. Please listen to me. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. You can be saved today. You may ask, well, Brother Eric, what if I'm not one of the elect? Remember what I told you. The elect are the whosoever wills. So come. Come this morning when we stand in a moment. God loves you. He invites you to be saved. And if you want to be saved, whosoever will may come. And God has sent me here today. This is why I'm still on planet earth. Believe it or not, I am here this morning to give you this ministry of reconciliation. How cool is that? I mean, that's why I'm here. Honestly. 
God sent me to Hot Springs, Arkansas, November the 2nd, 2015. He let me live this long to bring you this message. The ministry of reconciliation. That men need to be reconciled. Why? Because we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And reconciliation has already been made. Hallelujah for that. It's been made possible by the finished work of Christ on the cross. What did Jesus say right before he died? It is finished. It's finished. I've reconciled man. I've done everything I could do. It's it's done. I paid the price for everyone to be saved. And so I've come today as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You never know. You never know who you're being an ambassador to. Just a few weeks ago, I was with Ken Wagner. Ken, you remember this? I was with you. We were, we were loading up the ice maker from the coffee shop that was broke. Remember this? You remember the man that was standing there waiting to talk with me? His name was Don. I didn't recognize Don. I'm loading up this ice chest with Ken. We're getting it in the truck, you know. And this guy over here standing with his hands in his pocket says, Hey, Eric, remember me? I said, Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I I feel horrible. I do not remember you. He said, Look at me, Don. Don Crane, Sears and Roebuck, Merrillville, Indiana, when I was in Bible college. He said, you better believe it, Eric. He said, I came all the way here today to tell you that all that stuff you did on that sales floor when you told me about Jesus and told me how much God loved me and tried to win me to him, I kept rejecting and rejecting. And I said no, but he said, Eric, I just came here today. The only reason I'm in Hot Springs is to tell you thank you because I never forgot your invitation to be saved. And I'm saved now, Eric, and I know Jesus, and I'm a Christian. Amen. And old Don Crane, he was single then. He's still single now. never got married. He's about 65 years old. He's retired. He's got all kinds of money. He said, I'm just traveling the world. But I looked, I got within about 200 miles. And I said, I think that's where Eric is. And so I looked up your name on the internet and I found your address. And here I am. You know what? I hope everybody in this room gets saved today. That's my prayer. And I do believe that you need to be saved today because you have no promise of tomorrow. But I will tell you this. I know that I've done everything that I need to do today to give you the opportunity. Now it's up to you to accept it. God did his work at Calvary. God sent me to do my work today just to share the ministry of reconciliation. Now it's, it's your turn to just say yes to Jesus or say no. We just say yes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for just a few moments. Just a few moments. If you're here today and you would say, Brother Eric, oh, pastor, preacher, you may not even know who I am. You may be a visitor. That's okay. But you would say, Eric, I've come today. And now I know why I came because I, I need that I need that reconciliation thing. I need I need my sins to be forgiven. I need to say yes to Jesus today. I know that. You're sitting in this building. Listen, would you be honest with heads bowed and eyes closed? Would you just would you mind slipping your hand up so I can see you to pray for you? I'm not sure that I'm saved, Pastor. God bless you. On my right, thank you, brother. I see three in the back, four in the back, one up front. Thank you, brother. Is there anybody else in the balcony on the main floor? Several have raised their hands. Here's what I'm going to do. I don't want to wait any longer. 
I think we ought to just pray and stand. And if you need to come, you come. Christian, if you need to come and pray about being a better ambassador for Jesus, you come. Let's not wait. The invitation is ready. Men are up front. Father, we love you. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for the sins of the whole world. Lord, I believe you are sovereign. You know all things. I don't believe that your sovereignty interferes with the free will of man to choose. I know, God, that, Lord, you saved me, you loved me, and you love everyone in this room. And, oh, God, I pray for these, specifically and especially who raised their hands, that they would come as we stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand right now? Would you come as we sing? Step out in the back, in the front, over to my right. Come on. Amen. Come on. Carried the cross. Amen. For all of my days, he Amen. paid the cost. Salvation complete. Now forever I'm free. Calvary covers it all. God loves you. No power on earth, not even the grave, can separate us from mercy and grace. He is faithful to save, oh, his blood never fails.
Calvary, they covered it all. All my sin, all my shame doesn't count anymore against me, God. And Father, we know that you died for the sins of the whole world. Not just a certain part or certain persons or certain color, certain country, certain gender, certain race. No, God. You died for all six billion people on planet Earth today. And then the more than six billion plus people that have been born Since the beginning of time, Adam, Eve, and everybody that's ever walked this earth, God, you died for their sins. You want them to be saved. Thank you for those that you're saving today. Thank you for these that came. It's amazing. The testimonies, the tears, the miracles you're doing right now. I pray for these that are praying with several in the prayer room, God, that this would be the day that they're saved, that, that they would put their faith in you. You've given them a measure of faith. God, I pray that the light of the world would shine upon their faith today and that they would put their trust in Jesus, who is the light of the world, who came to take away the sins of the world. Father, we love you. Bless now this offering. Please, God, would you multiply it to meet the needs of our church as we prepare to give? And Father, help us, Lord, to give as you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. the ocean bright as a 